Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. It's radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. You just heard the remix of our intro music that had DJ Loomp in the background on the tap dance. Um, with me, as always, DJ Mark. So, Also with me, Kid Presentable. <laughs> Sorry about that, fellas. I got two bulldogs, and both of them are humping their beds right now. There's going to be a point of the tap dance. There's going to be a point in the show where Stefan's making some real serious point, and I'm going to do my best not to laugh while there's bulldogs humping in the background. I mean, there's a decent chance that while I'm making a salient point, Gogi will just climb atop my head and start humping away. Um, that's what that's that's what goes on at the uh, at the old uh, home these days. If we um, had a Patreon, that would be a Patreon exclusive. Exactly. <laughs> We're going to have a Patreon exclusive just so you guys can watch us struggle to record and listen to Stefan's dogs hump in the background. Hey, we might have sponsors in the near future. Oh, yeah. This, this gotta... is the type of content they're going to want us to generate. Um, our, our our fourth member, Lavender Gooms, uh, had a bit of a matter to take uh, that took his attention this week. He is not with us. But I know that um, with him not here... Um, it is on me to really, let's just pay our respects right now to the man, Joe Colombe. You guys are wondering who Joe Colombe is who passed away this past weekend. It's fucking Trader Joe. All right. No, I didn't know that. Trader Joe passed away this weekend. So, um, we uh, should note he was 89 years old. So, you know, lived a full not, life. Yes. Yeah. It, it was a good life. It wasn't a tragic accident that came out of nowhere. Um, you know. He he contributed to our society, really. As as far as you guys know, we we love his contributions. And yeah. honestly, everyone I know who's ever worked for that company speaks glowingly of it. Yeah. Apparently, they have a great culture and company atmosphere. So they all know, seem here, so happy when you're there. I also they got real the quick Hawaiian shirts on. How could you not? Like every day is a vacation. Um, if you guys want to check out Mike's thoughts on the passing of this great man, you should, you should be following us on Twitter. Let's just go with that. For I mean, on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, where Mike, you know, talk about the sadness that was us losing Trader Joe, but man lived a full life. Maybe, uh, maybe they'd like to sponsor us. Just putting that out there. That is the sponsorship this podcast has been angling for, for since day one. It's all the, if this, if they don't even pay me that much, okay. If they just give us a 10% discount at Trader Joe's, that seems fair. All right. It's not that much. 10%. All right. I would, uh, take, uh, someone in their office acknowledging that they heard our episode. I would take that. I would just take, if you just give me some of the, the, was it the Scandinavian swimmers? You give me a bag of that every two weeks. All right. Bobby, you've hashtagged some of these hashtag Trader Joe's. I know we're getting nowhere. <laughs> I'm sure somebody, there's some social media guru that gets all the tags and he's like, all right, this dumb MMA podcast, not worth the radar. Oh, they uh, said so, um, well, since we're going to just get it out of the way right now, another man passed away. It's a real depressing way to start a podcast. But um, James Lipton, which if I say his name probably doesn't mean anything to most people. Well, I know. I saw this one. I didn't see Trader Joe die. Yeah. Um, James Lipton is the guy who hosted Inside the Actor Studio, which I believe was on Bravo. 
Um, it's the show where an actor stands and is just on stage next to a man who asks him a real serious question about their craft. And, you know, I, I think to, to relate to the audience, it's like hot ones, but there's no hot wings. Yeah. I mean, like those of us who people who are our age in your 30s. I mean, there was like a Chappelle show skit where they made fun of this also, you know, and then um, I, I would watch this show sometimes. And the one with Dave Chappelle himself going on years ago uh, was really interesting. Just putting it out there. The man was a really good interviewer, quite frankly. And he made, like, me listening to, like, you know, a bunch of random actors talk about, like, oh, you know, talking to Eddie Griffin. And then he's like, and then you made Undercover Brother. And making me care that Undercover Brother was, like, a serious moment in Eddie Griffin's life. Guy was a really good um, interviewer. He was on Arrested Development, actually. Wasn't he, Steph? He was the um, the prison warden with the script, right? He was. It was the whole thing that uh, the character Tobias was trying to become a serious actor by going to the prison. So yeah. that's why they cast him, of course, as yeah. the prison warden. So he was 93 years old, by the way. I mean, I knew he was old, but damn. Um, he lived a full life, too. So that is solid. That was a uh, that was decades of solid. Uh, whoever his hair person was doing his beard and hair, yeah. keeping it a uh, nice, like slightly aged brown. Uh -huh. Like they did great work. Yeah, you never would have known it. I mean, he was when you if I had him. to guess, I was going to go like 70, but he looked pretty much the same for 20 years. Anyway, um, let's talk about the fights. Um, this past weekend, I mean, we talked about it last week on the show that like it was going to be sad if Joseph Benavides didn't win. And then like Davis and Figueroa, Figueroa, uh, Figueroa showed up two and a half pounds over. And Mark, the fight was, I want to say, like six minutes long, seven minutes long. If that, it was early in the second round, right? Yeah. Um, round seven. Really entertaining seven-minute fight. But then the sadness set in for our boy Joe Kozuna. Taking a knockout loss, huh? Yeah. I mean, and it's it's sad on more levels than we thought going oh, into yeah. the fight. Because, uh, I mean, if you're not privy to this, uh, Figueroa did not make weight. So he was ineligible to win the title. So this was really just either Benavidez is going to be the new champion, or this other dude's going to shit in his cereal. And we got the shit cereal. And even the shit cereal had extra swirls of shit that we also didn't see because of how the fight ended, I think, was really just um, really disappointing. I think maybe even for both combatants because, um, I mean, I, I, to break down the fight, the first round was super close. At one point, Figueroa uh, had a, a arm bar pretty close to locked up. Um, standing, I think he was doing a really good job. But even halfway through the first round, Benavidez was doing a – started getting into the rhythm of being able to negate the counter shots coming in and score some of his second and third shots when he was coming in. So it was, it was getting close. And in the second round, you know, uh, towards the end of the round, they kind of, and this was a, I think completely accident. How Benavidez enters the pocket is he kind of ducks in and dashes um, with a lot of speed because he needs to cover a lot of ground before he gets hit with a counter. Um, and in one exchange, Figueroa met his head. And unfortunately, Benavidez was the one that got cut and the blood started pouring instantly. Um, and it was probably seconds after the headbutt that resulted in the cut. Joseph circling out to his right, which he shouldn't have been because uh, Figaro was in the, uh, the um, orthodox stance. That's his power hand. He's walking into it. You know, the cut kind of got to him. He kind of wiped his face for a second. And that split second of taking his focus off wasn't enough for Figueroa to land a killer right hand that completely flatlined Benavidez and Figueroa won the fight. So, I mean, it's not to take anything away from Figueroa because he had a great performance and so did Joseph. You know, they were having a great scrap. It's just how it ended 
was ultimately not because of the cut directly, but indirectly, right? I think it obviously distracted Benavidez. If the referee could have noticed sooner, he could have stopped the fight to check the cut and, you know, maybe ha- close it up a little bit so it wouldn't be such a distraction. But, I mean, this stuff happens in combat sports. And, you know, F- Figueroa, uh, you know, played the party uh, pooper. And uh, it was a huge win for him. Um, but at the same time, because he didn't make weight, he doesn't have the belt. And this extremely divisive division is continues to be in jeopardy, which is really sad, especially because of this fight. Like, I was watching yeah. this fight, like... I'll, I'll watch more of this if I if I get more fights like this where it's competitive and going back and forth, I'll tune in. You know that this fight kind of sold me more on the division, and because of the outcome, it puts the division in more jeopardy than it was before. Yeah, you know, there are far shittier divisions in the UFC. Let's just be honest; they're just you know not little dudes, so more people watch. Um, I would have appreciated if Figueroa was a little bit apologetic about this whole thing, and don't just claim you're the fucking champion because you're not. Henry Cejudo's a champion still, and he made that very clear. Cause it was very maybe the silver lining and all that this, was like, the best part. Crappy stuff that happened. <laughs> it's like Henry Cejudo, in some weird magical way, has retained the belt he got stripped of. Yeah, but, I know. mean, well, I don't. There's that people are somehow thinking maybe he's gonna go down and fight Figueroa, and I'm like, I don't think Henry Cejudo is returning to this weight class. Like, I don't think he needs to. I mean, for a while I thought he was gonna try to save it, but what to save, man? I don't know. It seemed all right when the brass was like, yo, we're taking your title and giving it to these well, guys. It's he, not like he made a big well, huff and was oh, like, oh, he did. He, he, but he made some big statement about everybody being a bitch, basically, except him. But that's Henry doing his stupid character. Steph, you yeah. were going to say something? Oh, it's, uh, I don't like Henry Cejudo. Uh, he has uh, now moved into the Colby zone of not even being worth words. <laughs> okay. I like that. The Colby zone. <laughs> um,. He's fighting Jose Baldo. That's a lame nickname. Anyway. Who is? Henry's fighting Jose Baldo. That's what he calls him. Oh, I was like, who the hell is this guy? He's like, oh. Who's Jose Baldo? Yes. Um. Also on this. And we're going to, by the way, Joseph Benavides, man. He gets just to join that list probably of best fighters that didn't win a weight, didn't win a title. Um. Trying to think who's on that list besides yeah, him. who's on that list, Bobby? You tell me. Um, I mean, they got to be retired. You, I mean, Uriah, I mean, when he retires, I, I mean, Uriah came he, back. They, Lord knows they gave him a lot of chances. I was gonna say Fitch probably. He's never coming back. He's not winning anything. I mean, he was the second best welterweight for what? Oh, Fitch. Yeah, that's a yeah. good one. That's a good poll. Um, Faber's a good poll. Did anybody deserve it when Chuck was reigning for a while and Tito? No. No. You can go with a lot of welterweights during that GSP heyday. I was going to say, Koscheck was a good fighter, man. Yeah, Koscheck so, yeah, was a really good fighter. Koscheck was, you know, arguably one of the greatest in the world until he got jabbed into oblivion. Um, Yeah, that really broke his shit. Uh, Chad Mendez, I'd say another one, probably. Maybe Dan Henderson? I mean, he never won a UFC belt. You're right. Yeah, he like got close proper, to the time. He got like a tournament belt, but that's like, no. He never did. No, that's, a good, that's a good answer. Did steroided Johnny Hendricks ever have it, or he just kept fighting for it? He, he won the first Robbie Lawler fight. He did win? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he won the first one. It was super close. Then he went an eight for six months. Well, Joe, then Robbie fought one by fight, and then they fought again. And then it was super close it, yeah. again, and then Robbie won the second one, and then Johnny stopped winning fights, basically. Um, that's how this podcast is going to make it to the next level, by the way. We're going to hunt down Johnny Hendricks, put him on the podcast, and ask him the hard questions. Like, where did the restaurant go wrong? <laughs> what was the problem? Uh, 
All right. Yeah. Um, Laminated menus. The other only really relevant part that came out of this uh, fight card has got to be. I mean, we talked about the miracle that is having two women's featherweight t- fights on this card. Um, the lady who um, Felicia Spencer mauled didn't really have a prayer. Um, Megan Anderson's opponent, Marcus, seemed a little bit more game for the situation, though, right? Yeah, I mean, I, the one thing I will say about Zara Farhan Dosanos, oh mm. boy, what a name. That's Felicia's opponent. Um, I mean, I don't think you saw the fight, Bob. She was handling Felicia on the feet. Like <laughs> Felicia was like, oh, no. You got to get this down quickly because you're getting tuned up. Uh, once she got to the ground, it completely flipped, and this girl was completely out of her element. Uh, but yeah, I was a little more impressive with the other side of the car with Megan Anderson's opponent, um, mostly just because you know in this weight division where we don't have a lot of talent, um, uh, she's three and well, she's three and one now. She hasn't had a lot of fights, but she really came after Megan Anderson with a lot of gusto. Um, which is, you know, I mean, for a division that's kind of hunting for more blood and talent, um, I saw something there. She ultimately ran into a right hand and got knocked the fuck out. So, um, you know, pumped the brakes a little bit. But I was impressive that, you know, she went out there and really tried to take it to Megan Anderson. So I hope, hopefully she gets into the crack. Well, I wouldn't mind seeing the losers fight each other. That actually stylistically could be a fun matchup. But, you know, this division needs blood. And I really hope they don't just, like, farm these girls in to get smoked by better competition and then leave them. Hopefully they can build them up a well, little you, bit because they need bodies for this division. Well, I mean, you said like when these, you said this weight class lacks, um, what was it? Contenders. I think is what you said. I mean, Stefan, he could have said any word after lacks, literally any word. This weight class lacks everything. Um, Mark, you saw both fights. People seem to be leaning the Felicia Spencer route in a world where, um, Amanda's going to defend this belt in three months. Which one do you want? Felicia Spencer or Megan Anderson? Uh- yeah, I mean, I, I, I think both fight. I mean, again, at 145, not a lot of, you know, people at the door, you know, knocking on it. But I think Felicia Spencer made a good case. I think Megan Anderson did, too. Um, I think stylistically, I think the Felicia fight kind of is a little bit more appealing just because Megan Anderson is going to stand with Amanda Nunes. We haven't seen anyone recently be able to stand against Amanda Nunes. We've seen, you know, more accomplished strikers like Cyborg and Holly Holm and Valentino. You know, those are more skilled strikers in my high. Um, Felicia Spencer kind of has the ground game. And it's like, well, maybe that's an avenue where Amanda Nunes isn't as strong. You know, how good is her bottom game? We haven't seen a lot of it. So I think that's interesting. I don't really... I was going to say, Marcus, realistically, Felicia Spencer is getting knocked knocked out standing and Megan Anderson is getting finished on the ground, right? Because they both have glaring holes. Yeah, I I think those outcomes are probably the most likely scenario in both those, especially after seeing Felicia. I mean, honestly, you know, this is she fought someone that was relatively unknown. Um, I think this other girl had pretty good hands just by the by. But, you know, looking at someone like Amanda Nunes, who has a lot of power and stuff, it's like, oh, that is going to be a really tough fight for her to get to the ground. If she can do it, you know, the tables do turn. She has a really aggressive top game. Her ground and pound, which she won with this fight, was really impressive as well. It's interesting. You know, I don't think anyone, we're not going to be picking against Amanda Nunes for any of these fights, but this is a a different look. So it it, it has some interest there. Yeah. um, Also on this card, I I just like bringing him up. Um, violent Bob Ross, Luis Pena. I just like his nickname, and quite frankly, um, he's one kind of iffy split decision away from winning four in a row here. But uh, 
wasn't terribly memorable for anybody in uh, any performance in general. He was mad at that one, but I remember that. Yeah, he stormed out of the cage when he when he when he lost his last fight. I thought he won. I think most people thought he won. Like it was close, but it was like I don't know about that one. Um, it was more of I just like why aren't you finishing him, Bob Ross? Like yeah. you seem to be better than him. Yeah, there's a, most of his fights. I'm like he's better than this guy. Um, gotta love a card where the whole main card takes like an hour and fifty minutes. So. Um, but this was a very these last three paper these last three cards should have been one card. It would have been a hell of a card, man. We'd have had a title fight, well, not a real title fight. Apparently, we would have had a half a title fight. We'd have had a contender fight. We would have had uh, Felder and Hooker. Would have been a pretty decent fight night. Um, instead, they gave us like four consequential fights out of like thirty-five. So, anyway, um, we have a card this weekend, a good one. Well, in the sense that we got two title fights. It gets kind of fight night-ish after that, but the matchups are pretty solid. Um, I don't think there was a lot of news this week besides... Well, I mean, we didn't talk about it last week that everybody's pretty sure, Mark, that... Uh, What's-his-name is a, is a psychopath. Um, Diego Sanchez's manager slash trainer. Is now. Joshua even, something. We're not even going to give him the credit of saying his name. But yeah, I mean, when we talked about that fight when it happened... I kind of said, you know, Trevor Whitman, right? That was the the guy that does the call. Yeah. He kind of seemed like a hurt ex lover because he's like, oh, I don't like this new trainer Diego has. He's crazy, and I was like, and, and I pushed back, and I pushed back a little bit on you on that you because you I knew a little it. bit. I'm like, yeah, I knew well, a little bit how crazy, crazy he was, he is. and I was like, yeah. oh, I don't. And then I saw how crazy he was, and I still, I'll stand by my statement. It still seemed like a little bit of a jaded lover, like, oh, this guy. But when you see the video, I mean, I don't know, and I don't want to like, because look at the guy that's training him is of the mindset and era of martial arts master martial artist that i didn't know existed anymore he also believes in magic but sure go ahead i mean there there was a time in like the 80s where there was a lot of like kung fu martial arts masters that have trained you know they, they would have these extravagant like stories of i've trained across the world and I competed in the Kumite and killed 18 men in death in like five death matches like oh that doesn't work they have like these crazy tales but then, like, when it comes to, like, put up or shut up, like, okay, let me see you, like, actually fight somebody. Let me see you put these, like, weird techniques into practice to see how your mystic kung fu actually works. Because, look, it, I'm a believer that if you train something enough, maybe you can do it. I, I You know, you see, like, Aikido guys and kung fu guys, and you see this guy in his video where he's, he's, he's fighting two guys at once, and it's these two guys kind of, like, doing this real slow like i'm gonna grab you in the shoulder and he does like oh i grab your wrists and do this move and, and he just very slowly and it's all very like oh just like oh the movement i'm just moving like water and it's like i want to believe that shit as much as the next guy like i want to see someone go in there and just like oh kung like matrix kung fu oh you cannot even touch me and do it like when they're hitting the kung fu training dummy right and they're doing these little like ha, ha, ha. I, I would love to see that in reality i have yet to see it I have seen guys that are, have practiced kung fu fight and kickboxing and mixed martial arts fights, and guess what? They throw fucking haymakers like every lack slack jaw yokel you've ever seen. They're usually conditioned as all hell because, I mean, to be like a monk and a kung fu master, you have to do a lot of conditioning. So they're in great shape. They can take a hit, but like I'm not seeing this deflection and the parry and the like. Oh, I'm gonna grab your wrist and throw you to the ground with such ease, like. I have not seen that in real combat. I want to believe it, but I need to see it. So this is another guy that's saying like, and then when he's talking about Diego's fight, he's like, look how he's he's blocking these techniques and look, he's not taking any damage. And you like know he's what? Getting, he's getting there. Diego didn't take a lot of damage in that fight. 
But you know what he also didn't do? He didn't win that fight at all. So you're not showing me like you're your kung fu. I don't mean when, when he was his count on the number of shots he took. He's like, he only got hit three times. I'm like, everybody else counted about 35. But okay. Yeah. And especially that. Dude, fight, he's, right? look, he's you're hot. being very nice. And it's look, if Diego believes in him. Okay. Yeah. But he's a charlatan. But yeah, he has. That's that, the word like, here. He has the <laughs> mystic martial artist that like I didn't know existed anymore because people have kind of like bought onto the bullshit. But Hey, there's still some people peddling out, and there's still you know some what? people. I just hope out, so. that uh, he does not have access to Diego's finances. And I'm not just saying that because Diego previously got swindled out of a lot of money, and he seems like an impressionable person. And I wish him the best in this current endeavor with his unqualified coach. But he, the man comes off not good. Like they did a whole media tour to make himself look better, and it made it so much worse. So much worse. So, 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 so much worse. Anyway, um, we continue. Um, let's just talk about this pay-per-view. Let's just get into it. I was going to, I mean, I saw Bellator had some news, but we seem to have ceased to acknowledge Bellator's existence on this podcast for about a good two months now. Um, UFC 248 coming to you from the T-Mobile Arena in beautiful, not really, Las Vegas, Nevada. That being said, March, not a bad time to go. It's not that hot yet. Um, main evented by Israel, Izzy Adesanya, the last stylebender, taking on Yoel, the soldier of God, Yo, uh, Romero, who apparently has never, ever fought for the actual middleweight championship. He's fought for the interim <laughs> one. Like how many times he fought in a room? Like eight times? Yeah, yeah I think so. Oh. I think he, I don't think I think this is the first time. Actually, did he fight? I'm not sure he fought Robert Whitaker for the real one or not. I'll be honest. He could have. Um co-main evented by Wei Li Zhang, whose training camp this time appears to have taken place in six different countries. Um, taking on the former champion, Joanna and Jacek. Got some pretty compelling matchups the rest of the way. Um, maybe not in terms of rankings, but mostly in terms of like action and Seeing where some of these guys are at. A couple interesting names on the prelims. But uh, let's get into it. Um, and uh, talk about the last stylebender. Who, after his last performance where Steph, I don't think there's any word for des to describe how he fought against Robert Whitaker besides masterful. That might be the, the right way of putting it. Um, we all kind of, uh, you know, like everybody's on board. And it was one of those guys where I think Stefan might have said, like, your brother's going to love Israel Adesanya. And let me tell you, my little brother loves Israel Adesanya. Though his contention is, Yoel Romero sucks. So people know my little brother at all. All four of you listen to this podcast. Everything's either the best or the worst. Um, that's a weird thing, though, is because Yoel seems like he'd be one of his dudes as well. I think Nikki said he's too old. And I'm like, well. Okay, that's true. The, 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 the three criteria are young, black, and jacked. If you're old, black, and jacked. Uh, Nikki's off that bandwagon. Yeah. Um, betting odds for this one. Izzy's a decent favorite, but UL's tough, right, Steph? So what do we got here? Yeah, it's a little bit closer than I thought it would have been. But like you said, you know, Yoel, he, he's got knockout power in an instant. He's still one of the greatest, like, athletes we've ever seen in the sport. But uh, minus 280 to Izzy. And uh, the challenger coming in at plus 240. Uh, Mike, I believe, has chosen shows in Israel in this fight, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Mark, right? You're correct. Yeah, um, I'm going to take Israel as well. I am um, I'm all aboard this kid having like a lengthy title reign and being the flag bearer of this weight class, if not this company. 
I think he's got all the potential in the world to do that. And and us just, you know, the UFC sending out the first of the two, you know, USADA violation, walking USADA violations to face him. Uh, we'll see where he goes after that because it's pretty clear Paulo Costa, I mean, Paulo Costa was supposed to get this title shot. And I don't know if he got hurt or whatever happened to the guy. Ended up going to Yoel instead. Paulo's going to be in the front row. Yada, yada, yada. Um, I don't think, um, I don't think Yoel's going to hit him, basically, is what I'm getting at here. So, I think Izzy's going to knock him out. Yoel's got a good chin, but I think Izzy's going to knock him out in, I'm going to go with, like, late third round. What do you got here, Steph? Uh, Yoel's going to hit him. Um, Yoel hits everybody, and he, he can knock out everybody. Uh, so, that, there is definitely an element with him, right? He's, uh, in a way, he's like, um, what's his name? Uh, your dude, Black Beast, in he's got finishing power till the end. You know, he can hit a late leaping knee and put you out cold. So he, he's always a threat. He's only um, been outstruck one time, and that was against Bobby Knuckles. Outstruck is a different question than hit him, Bobby. You said he's not going to hit No, no, I'm telling you. I'm saying, no, I'm saying Yoel has only been struck out one time despite being like a oh. haymaker swinging guy. Yeah. You think he gets outstruck a lot. Only, only Bobby Knuckles did it. He's incredibly talented, right? Um, you're talking about your list of guys who've never, the best fighters to have never been champion. Um, it might be Yoel. Yoel might be the top of that list, to be honest. He's, that is a good, good, good addition to that. It's so obvious now that we're talking about it. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, but that said, um, for me, Izzy is one of those guys who is until the wheels come off. Um, Bobby Knuckles is one of my favorite guys to have ever held the belt. But when Izzy ascended, I already had him. Izzy for a minute now, I, I said or before he was a champion, this guy feels like a champion. He looks like a champion. His family rolls with him dressed in like the African finest like garb, you know, that kind of traditional wear. Like this is a guy who looks like the champion. And then when he's had the spotlight, he's had the stage. He's absolutely performed like it. So this is a guy I will not predict his first loss, right? Because, um, for all I know, this might be the next greatest of all time. Yep. Agree with everything you said there, basically. St uh, Marcus, you going to make it a clean sweep? Uh, yeah, I am. Uh, but I'll give some caveats to Romero because there are some things I've seen in Izzy's game that gives me some concern, um, especially given the power of Romero. And really, it's just Izzy in the first couple rounds, um, a lot of people would say like, he's downloading the fighter or whatever. Um, he's susceptible to getting hit in their first in the early rounds, and I think Bobby ha Bobby Knuckles had a lot of opportunities to uh, score on that, and was just overzealous. I, I think that the moment kind of got to him coming back, fighting someone with the hype around Izzy, and I think what Bobby used to do so well was throw measured strikes. And in this fight, when he fought Izzy, they weren't measured; they were kind of like he was scared to get in the pocket and to throw. Um, and that's kind of where until. Israel found out in that second round, like, okay, I can exchange in the pocket. It took him about a round to figure out, like, okay, when Bobby's coming in, I'm able to, you know, use have movement and, and hand deflection to negate a lot of these punches. I can sit in the pocket and throw with him and land. And that's what he did. He landed the left hand in an exchange and won the fight. Now, with Romero, Romero is going to be a lot more selective when he comes in. And when he comes in, it's usually going to be one strike and it's going to be fucking hard. He's going to come to take your head off. And if Izzy is playing a game where he's trying to calculate. And because one thing Romero does a lot too is a lot of feints. He is a guy that will stand in front of you for a long time and do little movements to get you to bite on something. And he uses those reads to set up strikes. And I think 
what I've seen with with Izzy in his kickboxing career is a guy that has a plethora of tools standing up to utilize. Um, what I've seen in MMA is that he's a little bit more selective sometimes and letting that stuff go because he's a little you know wary of the takedown. And I think he has to be aware of that with Romero. He's fought in some good wrestlers like Gastelum at this point. But a guy like Romero with the power and the explosion he has is a different type of wrestler than a Gastelum who won't explode as dynamically as Romero, but maybe he's a little more technical on the takedown. So I think there's a lot of things that Izzy has to be aware of. And if he's overconfident, Romero's the exact type of guy that will make you eat your words. Um, but I think if his head's on straight, he'll be able to negate. I mean, because every guy that fights Izzy is going to have to come in on him. If he can control that space, not get caught with a big punch, start to figure out some of the timing of Romero, I think he can start picking him apart on the outside. But, you know, Romero's a live dog. I, I agree with you, Bobby. Like, he lost to Paulo Costa. He's not really the most deserving guy at this moment. I mean, he's lost three or four. Let's let's see how he does on the scale as well. If he can even make the weight, that's been a big struggle. Oh, he's too. 198 pounds today, and they asked him if he's going to make weight, and he just said, muy bien, which is not the answer to that question. But <laughs> go ahead. But, but yeah, I mean, there is a lot of things around him. Like, if he, if he can win the belt outside of just having to beat this guy, can he get the weight? Um, I think it's he's kind of up against it a little bit. But I think you have to understand, like, this guy keeps getting shots because of what he's able to do, his explos- his explosiveness, and how he's able to end fights quickly. Is he has to be aware of that stuff. If he is, if he keeps it tight and uh, doesn't make any mistakes, I think he's going to get a win here. But Romero is a live dog here. Don't, yeah, don't think all of be- picking him is, is like a clear sweep. He could easily win this fight with one punch. Exactly. Um, you know, I think, you know, for despite the matchup being, um, pretty one sided when Izzy beat Bobby Knuckles, I think in this weight class, that's still the fight I'm most interested in watching him have is a rematch with Bobby Knuckles, personally. I think Just it's, because it's to what Mark said, right? He didn't fight the way Bobby Knuckles usually does. And yeah, he, he had was, a he lot was, of, he was pursuing, he was chasing yeah. a little bit, especially since the stories that have come out, nothing's been confirmed about the personal issues that he was dealing with with his kid leading up to it. Not that that's an excuse, of course. He would never give one himself. It's Bobby Knuckles, the man's... Or to take never... any away from, anything yeah, away from Izzy, course. too. I mean, he but I would just you know, square. I mean, exactly. But I would love to see... Because I really do think... I was almost disappointed in how one-sided it was, Mark, because I thought we could watch these guys fight like five times. Yeah, like, I mean, and that's mm-hmm. what I saw, too. I, like, I'm seeing Bobby get in the pocket and throw punches and not land. It's like, that's what you do best. Like, yeah. And like, like Steph was saying, like, oh, he was chasing. Like, you watch a lot of Bobby, Bobby Knuckles, like, old fights... He looks like he's chasing a lot of these fuckers. Like they're running away. The difference is he's throwing these like chasing shots and he's landing them. Like everyone else that chases guys like that can't land and he's landing. And that's why I thought, like, okay, Izzy lets guys in the pocket. If he can just, he'll get in the pocket without any, you know, pushback. He's has to land the shots. He didn't land the shots. And I think it was because he had been away for a while. I think there's a lot of hype around Izzy and just like you, you, you see what this guy can do. He's an, an amazing athlete. I think the moment got to him a little bit better. I hope in a rematch, they, they really move because they could really have a good fight. The movement the guys out of this camp have, Izzy, Volkanovski, it almost makes, makes guys freeze a little bit, almost. I don't get it either. It's weird. The way they move. I don't know. Anyway, co-main event, Weili Zhang making her first title defense. Um, and it's not an easy one, folks. Um, taking on the former champion, arguably the greatest fighter in this weight class's history. You want to end Jacek. Um, Weili Zhang coming off of just a, I mean, she slaughtered Jessica Andrade, right? That was like um, two minutes even. Like how long did that take? Um, just a 
systematic destruction. 42 yeah, 42 seconds. Really took a lot of shine off Jessica Andrade, which we're probably going to talk about in a couple of weeks when we're picking her fight with Rose. For a person who won a title in a way that most people were like, it's weird to say that about someone where you're losing. Like, you were losing that fight before you powerbombed the girl, you know? And then she loses the belt in 42 seconds. Um, this was in August 2019. We have not seen Wei Li since. since. Yoana and Jacek, who had, like, five successful defenses of this belt, um, came back from losing to Valentina Shevchenko at one way class up at 125, moved back down. Um, I don't remember her fight with Michelle Watterson that much, Steph. Was it pretty it decent was... performance on her side, workmanlike? I I remember I came away being disappointed in Joanna because, you know, Michelle is one of my girls, but I I, I really thought she really has no chance in this, you know. Um, that's one of those fights I took just because I ride with her. But the fact that Joanna couldn't put her away with – it's one of those things we say with a lot of fighters. Like, there is a very clear discrepancy in the skill and talent here. There's a – why can't you put this away? Um, and that's kind of how I felt in Joanna's fight against Michelle Watterson. This is a close fight on paper. For obvious reasons, quite frankly, given the Styles matchup and the way they both fight, um, Whaley is slight favorite. Wouldn't you? Isn't it, Steph? Um, yeah, to what you're saying, um, coming off of the last fight, which was about like in a two and a half odds, this fight's uh, a lot closer. In um, Joanna is only a one and a half underdog, with a uh, minus one eighty five as the high for uh, Whaley as the favorite, but uh, closer than the other title fight on this card. And I believe Mike has taken Joanna actually, thinking we're gonna get the. Championship going back to Joanna, which if you think about it, it's really hard for someone to regain a championship in the UFC after they've had a long reign and lose the belt. It doesn't really happen very often. Um, Whaley's camp, though, has been real tumultuous, and it's hard to not think it might have an impact on this fight. She was, she couldn't train in China. She went to Thailand for a while. Um, this is all related to the coronavirus. And then Thailand, it seemed like it wasn't the best option. And she had to get to Vegas like a couple weeks ago. Just been all over the place dealing with that. Um, nothing coming out of Joanna's camp, quite frankly. Seems to have a normal camp, though nothing publicized. Um, Steph, what do you think? We're going to have a new champion or is she going to retain Whaley? Um, well, kind of coming off of my uh, brief review of Joanna versus Michelle. Um, I don't know where this is going. <laughs> it's not really likely. I'm going to call and new here. Um, you know, it's one of those I'm hard on Joanna just because you kind of expect a lot out of someone like very appropriately, as you said, Bob, she very well may be the greatest fighter this division ever had. Um, but I just kind of want I've always wanted more out of her. Um, and right now, Whaley is giving me that Whaley's got power. Um, one thing Joanna severely lacks, Joanna will beat you up. Um, she doesn't really finish you. She definitely doesn't finish you cleanly. If she does, it's very much an accumulation uh, where she's just overwhelming to people. You know, she's fought wrestlers who can't take her down, so they just kind of get beat up the whole thing. That's kind of was the tale of Watterson. Watterson went to the grappling, couldn't finish anything, so she just kind of got beat up for the duration of the fight. But Whaley has power. She will devastate you if you give her five rounds to throw at you so um i think Joanna's gonna lose and i have her getting knocked out uh for the second time in her career you wouldn't be shocked though i'm assuming given the line and who we're dealing with here we go out there and get a new champion i know i mean i know you're leaning one way here but if she wins really... i have it being a slightly controversial split decision really okay 
Um, Marcus, what do you think? Yeah, this one's really tough. Uh, I think it it's really a is, man. Fight to, to pick on the card. Um, I'm also going with uh, Wei Ling. Um, I think a lot of it just has to be with her. She has the strap. You know, she earned it. She's the, the champion coming into it. But there's not a lot of, you know, I would love it if Wailing had a chance to fight Rose, so they had a common opponent there. They don't have, I mean, Wailing hasn't been in the UFC that long, so they don't have a lot of a common opponents for us to get, like, even to do, like, the MMA math. They both beat Tisha Torres. They both beat Jessica Andrade. And that's kind of like it. The other two fights Wailing had, I don't think Joanna fought. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm kind of going with the same thought process that Stefan is, is that, you know, this girl carries the power um, any round in here, she could potentially, you know, put uh, Joanna, you know, in serious trouble with a big strike and potentially finish it uh, early and late, potentially. And Joanna really isn't that type of fighter, like Steph said. You know, I think, I actually, I, I kind of totally agree with Steph because I think if Joanna gets it, it's going to be by decision. It's going to be because she kept this a stand up fight. She kept Wei Ling on the outside, but I, I don't think Wei Ling is going to sit on the outside for five rounds and not get in the pocket and throw punches. So I think there'll be a lot of exchanges where it's like, that was close. I don't know. Is Joanna going to be backing up the whole time and circling out where Railing is coming forward? Does that impress the judge? You know, those things can factor in. Um, but I, you know, I, I like the power advantage. Um, this sounds like a really good fight, by the way. Sorry to interrupt you, but this sounds like this is going to be a good time. Well, this I mean, I think Joanna, in general. for the most part, has you know pretty good fight. She's a stand-up fighter. You're, she's going to bang with girls if she gets a dance. I like. I mean, for someone who doesn't get a ton of knockouts, when she uncorks like those eight-hit combinations, it's fun to watch if she can pull it off. Yeah, of and I and and then we have someone on the other end that's kind of like Rose. You know, we saw Rose. It wasn't like the big combination punching that got uh, Joanne. It was that she got in the pocket and threw heavy hands. And that kind of disrupted her. And that's kind of what Wailing is going to do as well. I think it's a really tough fight. I'm not going to be like, Bobby, like you said, I'm not going to be surprised if Joanna, uh, you know, gets the W here. She's going to have to be strategic. She's going to have to be tactical. She's going to have to win the rounds by working the outside and not letting Wailing get in. Because I think in the pocket, she's going to hit harder. I think in the clinch, she's going to be stronger. I think Joanna. She's got, she's got to dictate the pace. She can't let Wailing lead this fight. And that's going to be tough so, because I don't think yeah. she's going to take center. I don't see Joanna taking center and leading the dance on this if she does that'll be impressive and then she if, if joanna's leading the dance on this and it's jabbing wailing on the outside and wailing is is circling out that's a way she can win the fight i just don't i mean see. she she doesn't win if she doesn't lead the fight in general yeah that's only I mean, whenever she loses it's because the other person leads the fight and i mean i think you kind of see two girls coming at each other running yeah. at each other it's like well wailing that's gonna be a better prospect she has the power she likes to be in the pocket and throw big punches and knees you know, Joanne, you're gonna have to back up, or you're gonna be you're gonna get, be colliding with a power puncher. So you know, I think it's really close. Um, I think it is going to be an, an interesting fight. Um, I do think if, if Joanna wins it, it might be a little less interesting because I don't see her landing big power punches. It's going to mostly be like working the outside, getting one twos and leg kicks in to kind of disrupt Wailing and dictating the fight, which will be great for her. Maybe not the most exciting thing in the world, but uh, I think it, it, it's a really cool stylistic matchup. And I think Wailing just as a champion is interesting right i honestly i don't think any of us picked her to to beat jessica um you know we thought she was just getting thrown you, know, you stefan did um you raised his hand uh because i mean honestly for me it was just like well they're going to china and they're picking the best chinese female Man, they, they, they were just She's, waiting they were waiting for this girl the right. minute the ufc had any dreams I, you know, about at china the time she was and they three, finally got somebody yeah she was three and oh and you know to be fair she beat tisha torres which i have a ton of respect for but it was oh, yeah. just like i don't this just seems like it's not earned. It's more just 
to strike when the iron's hot, and she did, and she fucking got the belt. So, you know, hats off to her. Let's see just how good she is. The record is impressive. You know, 20, 20 and 1 is a fantastic record. So there's something there. We're And this is going to be a real true test. It's not going to be her and another power puncher. It's one of the most technical best fighters in this division. So let's see if she has the medal. Yeah, I mean, um, she gets through this one. I want to see Rose get through Jessica and Drives. I want that fight. That's the fight I want, Whaley and Rose. Um, I'm thinking Whaley also. Um, wouldn't be shocked if you want to pull it off. And I do, honestly, I think this is going to be an excellent fight. I think this is going to be the best fight this weight class has seen um, for the championship in quite some time. Um, the Rose and Joanna second fight was really good. Um, the Joanna and Claudia fight, the second one was really good too. I think it's going to be on that level. Because I think the way they both fight is going to lead to a good matchup. That being said, uh, people don't come back and win the belt again, man, after a long layoff. It's like, it takes a lot. Like, you get dethroned after 5-6 title. I mean, I don't know who's done that, honestly. Jones, I kind can't of. Think. He wasn't really dethroned. Not even count. He wasn't even dethroned. Like, I mean, think about it. Like, Anderson went down, didn't come back. Like, it, Chuck went down, didn't come back. It's it's not easy. It's real. Ronda didn't even come back to the damn sport. Like, it's a tough time to get the belt back. And it just doesn't happen. And the division kind of moves on with eight, without you. And it's not that Joanna's old. It's just that she's been doing this in the UFC for six years now. Randy Couture. And, huh? Randy? <laughs> yeah, he loved heavyweight. And then he saw Tim Sylvia. He's like, I can beat that guy. I'll come out. Uh, there we go. Tim Sylvia. Um, so I just, I mean, I think it's going to be a really good fight. And I like watching Joanna fight. And I like watching Wei Li fight. And I do think the camp issues are something to be said. But you don't know. She's, you know, mentally strong. She'll get through it, you know. Um, hopefully she gets a good weight cut in. Didn't affect her too much there. And I think it'll be a good fight. But I got to go with Wei Li on this one. It's going to be good, though. This is... The top two fights on this, I think, are going to be a very, a very entertaining time. Personally, I look forward to be just dis being disappointed. Of course, um, what's the next fight? Because the next three really could be in any order. Uh, per the betting odds, it's O'Malley. That's not even on the main card. No, it's so. not. Well, that's no. Do you know what, Stefan? I told you to remind me O'Malley's on this card though, because Sean O'Malley, Sugar Sean, um, prospect with a bunch of hype around him. Has had some pretty entertaining fights in the UFC, quite frankly. He's 10-0. and um, Hasn't fought in two years. Um, lots of weird, tainted supplement crap going on with this kid. Looks like a Q-tip, kind of. You know, just like a skinny guy with some curly hair. Um, but he's coming back. So we'll see if he can get back on track. But on the main card... You tell Benio me what the main Dar card is, but... <laughs> Benio Dariush. Taking on... Drakkar Close. Um, Benil Dariush coming to this one. I'm going to hope he's the favorite. Uh, honestly. Slight favorite. Minus 172 plus 150 Close. Um, Benil is coming off of three straight. Wins over Tiago Mo uh, Moises. Drew Dober. It's a tough one right there. Frank Camacho. The last two getting him performance of the night bonuses with two finishes. Submissions both. Drakkar Close also coming off of three straight. All three of those decisions. Lando Venata, Bobby Green. Uh, definitely watch that Bobby Green turd. Um, and Christos Giagos. Um, Mike's taking Benil or Close? Benil. Benil. I'm going to be straight with you guys. I'm picking the Iranian guy. All right? <laughs> I'm picking the Iranian guy because I don't have anything. And this is what I got at this point. And he's a slight favorite, so fuck it. I got Benil Dariush. Um, Steph, what do you got? Uh, I'm taking Dariush as well. I don't feel great about it. I kind of think we've seen his top end potential. Um, yeah, think, it might be this. I think he's the back end of the top 10. He, I think he's the gatekeeper to are you a top 10 guy. 
Um, Closa, those wins, uh, but not as solid, but they're not really spectacular. Um, I love Bobby Green, but he's he's at that point where we're questioning if he should do this anymore. You know, so then the name, the resume is just not really there. Um, but like I said, Daryush is kind of the top 10, top 15 gatekeeper. He, I was going to say top 10 is very generous. Okay, for my we'll call him, I think they do 15 now, right? We, we go to yeah. 15. So yeah, he's a, he holds the key to enter the 15. So that, that's what the line is. We'll say that the door stays closed for now. Yeah. Um, Marcus, um, what do you think? Yeah, I'll mix it up. Um, it's weird because I don't, I don't really remember Close's fights. I don't know what he looks like. Um, and those are usually like when we come across these names, I'm like, oh, I'll just pick the other guy because I know who Darish is. I've seen him. He's all right. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna mix it up. You know, those those names he has on his resume, I, I, I'll admit, like Lando, Bobby Green, haven't really done much to solidify themselves in the lightweight division. Right? They're not getting the wins they need. They're not as relevant as we think they should be. But what I will say is like, I recognize those are really talented fighters. And while they have not done well in the UFC, it's because they ran into fuckers like this guy and he beats them somehow. And I'm going to go with close say, cause um, Darush just seems real on and off. Um, and, and, and really even just looking at his record, it's like, you know, he loses only like the top guys is close. Say one of those top guys we're going to find out, but yeah, I'm mostly just going cause you know, I think while Stefan, you know, Bobby green, you know, we're a big fan of definitely has not strung together the wins in the UFC. Like we liked, um, I still recognize that he's a really talented guy and so is Lando. Um, I think they're very different fighters than Darush, but, um, I'm gonna go with close. They mix it up here. Yeah. I want to see a submission from Darush, quite frankly. That's what I want to see from him in this fight. Um, also on this card, um, this is an interesting one here, Marcus, Neil Magny versus Lee Jinglang. We haven't seen Neil Magny fight in a minute, folks. Neil Magny had a tainted supplement thing that got rid of his suspension, but we haven't seen him since he got iced by Ponzinibbio back in November of 2018. Back when Ponzinibbio was a contender. What happened there? Um, before that, he'd gotten two straight wins. Carlos Condit, Craig White. Um, you listen to this podcast, you know I'm kind of a Neil Magny guy. Um, Lee Jing Lang um, has won three straight against three very unimpressive people, quite frankly. Um, but two of those are performance of the night. Wins over David Zawada and Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos. That's a long name. Um, they're letting him fight in the United States. Um, I don't think it's an accident. He's on the same main card, Steph, as the Chinese world champion that they have on the company. company. This is, um, I guess, kind of nut-cutting time here, man. I mean, it's time to see what we got with this guy, right? Liang is, or is he's kind of the guy that they wanted to be the guy first, right? He came out of the yeah. tough China, I believe. Um, so he, you know, he he was their first foray. You know, Whaley is the one they kind of struck gold with, but this was the first one they invested in. Um, that said, he, uh, oh, correct. I was gonna say also his biggest issue appears to be that he doesn't beat anybody that any of us know who they are. The only one he's got over anybody I know really is, Dave, is Diego Lima, and that is not the good Lima brother. Um, what's your pick for this one, though? I was going to go there anyway. Oh, so. yeah. Uh, I was going to say the line on the fight. Um, I'm now realizing it's a recurring theme as I look at the card in totality. Um, with the exception of a couple fights, pretty much every fight is one-and-a-half favorite, one-and-a-half underdog. Um, the, yeah, there's some tough ones to call. There's here, a lot man. of close lines on this. Um, I'm going Ling with the caveat that um, Neil Magny's very frustrating to me. Um, he oh, might, I keep waiting for I keep waiting for him to get good. If, I keep waiting. <laughs> 
if I were to go into our history of picks, I think Neil Magny is probably my highest incorrect percentage. Is when I don't believe him, he surprises me. When I start to hey. buy into it, he loses. Uh, I just I, I can't tell you for any certainty. I, I we don't have any like keeper of the records that specific, but I feel like I get this guy's fights wrong all the time. So watch him surprise me here. But like he's just real. On, you know, Mark said on and off. Now this is a guy who is on and off. So. Um, I don't get him right often, but I'm I'm picking him to lose in this one. Man, I remember when I was the only one to pick Neil Magny. Who did he beat? Was it Hector Lombard? I was pretty proud of that one. No, it was Gastelum. That was an. I I just keep picking Neil Magny. I think the only time I didn't peel and pick Neil Magny is when he uh beat my he. I think I picked Neil Magny against Damian fucking Maya, didn't I? I bet money on Neil Magny <laughs> against Damian Maya. Um. Yeah, I don't – the layoff, I don't like the layoff, Marcus. I'll be honest with you. I don't like the layoff in this one for Neil. But Lee doesn't beat a lot of good people, honestly. And I – yeah, I'm going Neil Magny. I've gone this far picking this dude. What do you got, Mark? Yeah, I think – what happened, and I think this is probably similar to Stefan, Neil Magny never really on my radar. He was always on Bobby's, and it wasn't until, of course, now's the time Bobby leaves. Because, Steph, do you remember, uh, who was that guy that we used to see at the MMA events? I can't remember. Oh, what Court McGee. Court McGee. No, 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 no. The, the, like, the, the other guy that runs a dump site like we do. It was another oh. fan guy, and he was like, oh, Neil Magny's my man. And that's when I was like, okay. So this guy, Bobby likes Neil Magny. This guy's really big on Neil Magny. I might need to pay attention to this Neil Magny. Maybe I've been sleeping on him. And I think we picked him on the next fight, and he lost to Damian Maya. And I was like, well, I was right. This guy's a bum. And why did I pick him in the first place? Uh, that being said, in this particular fight, um, yeah, I don't think the layoff is going to do him any favors. But I do think he's fighting a lesser opponent. And, you know, I haven't seen a lot of looks on uh, Lee to get, like, a good understanding. But I think he's just, like... from. From outside perspective, not doing any research on tape or like refamiliarizing myself, I've always kind of just put him in the box. Like he's a tough guy; he can take some hits and he can hit hard, and that's kind of who he is. And when I look at Neil Magny, I think of like a very tactical guy who's very crafty on the ground, and I think that might be where he gets the wins. Is kind of using some of the maybe more orth- unorthodox kind of moves or submissions or whatever. I'm picking Neil. I, f- I think he's just a better, well-rounded fighter. Um, but I'll never forget, you know, being unsold on this guy and never well, really mean, buying into him again ever since then. But and not because I mean, wrong. and not like he lost to Maya and then he won all his other fights. And I was like, oh, I fucked up. Like I was right. Uh, Bobby, I was when you of course you left. Right. Who was that guy that was with the other MMA site that was all big on Neil Magny? We had him on the show. And he's like, oh, Neil oh. Magny's my boy. <laughs> When when he literally disappeared, the whole podcast disappeared from the face of the earth a month after we interviewed the guy. Um, guy was from MMA Fight Focus. That was it. Yeah. So, yeah. I was telling Steph, that's when I was like, okay, I might need to watch this guy. And then he lost his next fight. Was, well, they well, were from Denver and Neil's from Denver too. That was shilling sure. for him a bit too. Sure. No, I mean, I like Lee has, won, Lee has won seven of eight. The problem is those seven wins are like, I don't know who these people are. And the one he lost is the guy I know. It's Jake Matthews. And Neil's got some wins, man. He beat um, Steph right here on Neil's record. Win over Johnny Hendricks. Catch weight, 173.5 pounds. Hendricks missed weight. So, yeah, um, we were at the darkest timeline of Johnny Hendricks in that one. <laughs> um, Hector Lombard, Kelvin Gastelum, Eric Silva. Uh, what happened to uh, Hyun Goi Lim? Remember him? He was good yeah, for a minute, boy. wasn't he? Um, he got some wins, man. I'm just saying. 
And I mean, he beat uh, Kim Joy Lim. He was kind of like the Korean Neil Magny in that, like, this guy should be impressive, but every time I see him, it's a letdown. Neil Magny, this is only going to apply to Bay Area. I mean, actually, at this point, the guy's played for a bunch of teams. He's kind of like Harrison Barnes to me, where I'm like, I would like it if you cared more, Neil. <laughs> Show me some fire, okay? You got a lot of tools here. Maybe you put the foot on the gas before the third round. What? No? No, no, we're not doing that. Okay. Although we're losing. That's what we're doing tonight, Neil? Okay. Reminds me of Harrison Barnes. Neil got into the UFC, by the way, um, when he was 7-1. and one. And he is now 21-7. and seven. That was, he's been in the UFC for seven goddamn years. So time is just going on, man. Just marching along. Steph, you picked Lee, right? Or I let you pick first, correct? Yeah. Um, All right. I'm anti-Neil. Yeah, Mike, who did, who did Mike pick, Mark? We got split. He was with We got a split. All right. Um we're also picking, and this is the last one we're picking. Cowboy Oliveira, the lesser cowboy. Which really might be saying something at this point. Um taking on Max Griffin, aka Max Payne Griffin. Um this fight is I don't know why we're picking it, to be honest. They're both losing a ton of fights. Um Cowboys lost three straight. Max Payne has lost a lot of fights. Three or just four. Just a ton. That's of, how you make them. Three of just four. a lot of fights. He's lost three of four, four of six. You know, five of seven. He's lost a lot of fights, folks. All right, lost a lot of fights. Um, what's the betting odds of this? Um, one one fifty. Uh, one and a half fifty. A favorite here is Cowboy Oliveira. I think uh, Cowboy Oliveira is being given a. I'm not saying it's a gift because it's a close fight, but if he doesn't beat this kid, he will be, they will not be paying for his flight home. He will be done with the UFC. I think the loser of this fight's done either way. Cowboy Oliveira's got to win this fucking fight though. Real talk. He's 32 years old. He's too young for us to now be like this guy who was a pretty decent welterweight for us now to be like, oh, well, he's just a bum now. Like, come on. I'm making a real strong case here for Alex Oliveira having to win this fight in a minus 150 fight. Still taking Alex Oliveira, though. Um, Mark, who do you got? Tell me who Mike's got while you're at it. Uh, yeah, Mike has uh, Cowboy as well. I, I, I was, I, I'm, I'm still kind of split on this because when I think of Max Griffin, the first fight that comes in my in my head is when he beat Mike Perry and he looked that was doing it. That, that was awesome. And then and that's why when I came in, I was like, all right, let's see what Max Griffin's been up to since that win. It has not been good. So I'm like, oh, okay, this got a little harder. Of course, you look at Cowboy and Bob, you Woo! know when I see three losses in a row, it's like a, it's a problem. You know these people he lost the last, to. The last guy he lost to, his name looks familiar, but I can't like play some. The other two, I absolutely can't. He lost to Mike Perry, which wasn't a great look um, <laughs> given what I just said about Max Griffin. But um, I am going to go with Cowboy, but like, like we're not happy about it yeah like what <laughs> said was it was it the darush fight or the leaf fight like i don't feel good about it. little real talk i'm not looking at this fight and i'm like we didn't need to pick this I mean, yeah, <laughs> here we are that lost his last three fights you know what we should just all pick sean o'malley and get rid of this fight. i mean <laughs> you you heard what i thought the third fight was bobby this wasn't on my radar i'm like oh i gotta think about this one huh yeah, but so I'm gonna go with Cowboy Alex Oliveira. But yeah, I'm I'm real iffy on this one. I'll be kicking myself if Max wins because I was really honestly, if his record looked a little bit better after Mike Perry, I would have easily picked him. I remember when Cowboy Oliveira showed up seven pounds over and beat Will Brooks's ass and then talked shit afterwards, real disrespectfully. Like you showed up seven pounds over. 
What the fuck? Anyway, Steph, who you got? <laughs> so, Bob, we could have had two different things going on. We could have all picked Sean O'Malley and gotten behind yeah. this young prospect. We could have all picked Mark Madsen and gotten behind this older but incredibly high-credentialed wrestler. Um, yeah. But instead, we're all going to go for a guy that we have oh, no I faith in. Oh, I missed Mark in. Madsen. We have no faith in. He may be out of a job. We have some land how landed on. Instead of picking two prospects that we could have said, yeah, we're talking about them because you know they, they could have futures, we're all going to end up picking Cowboy Oliveira, who very well may not have a UFC future. Now that you brought it up, Mark, when you're if you're around and we're watching this fight, this pay-per-view, if you are, you need to make it here in time for us to watch Mark Madsen. Because I've never seen a crowd cheer for a man making his UFC debut the way they cheered for this motherfucker at his first UFC fight in Copenhagen. Was it? I know he's in a. Yeah. Okay. But like they, they cheered for him like it was Faber in Sacramento. Well, like, I then he went out there and balls a guy because I was thinking like, wasn't there a big basketball player at a school named Madsen? Is this the same yeah. guy? Um, obviously <laughs> not. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, I guess he was in the Olympics. So that kind of gives yeah. your country to kind of get behind you before. It's like, oh, I rooted for this guy in the Olympics. He won silver, so he's a big loser. But uh, he, he represented the country once. I'll, I'll cheer for him again. Uh, I mean, we'll see. <laughs> he's a bald, big European. He mauled wrestler. that dude, too. <laughs> yeah. He's just mauling dudes over there. Um, yeah. <laughs> we picked the wrong fight. Um, Stefan mentioned it. Sean O'Malley. Mark Matson also on this card. Um Further down on the prelims. Oh, no, I messed up, and I lost it. Um, God damn it. Where the hell is UFC 248? I've gone too far down the rabbit hole. Yeah, I don't know where uh, you're going to go because there's not a lot of depth, Bobby. You kind of jumped off the cliff. No, nah, okay, then in that case, it's the rest of the card's trash. We move on. Um, yeah, that is it. The UFC returning to Vegas, which they were just there, I think. Um, yeah, Connor fought Cowboy. Um Bobby, it's not safe to travel a lot of places right now. It's coming from a person who's about to travel. I was going to say, Stefan, next week, I think they're going to... Where are they going next week? Brazil. Okay. <laughs> Wait, is that Brazil? Are they making Kevin Lee fight in Brazil? Yep, okay. Kevin Lee's fighting in Brazil. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. Kevin Lee versus Charles Oliveira is a hell of a fight. Anyway. Um, yeah, UFC this Saturday in Vegas. Um... I would have liked to gone to this one. Would have been nice. Um, but I think that's it for the fights this week. I don't think anything else. I'm trying to see, you know, seeing if any news has broken, which is not really what happens anymore in MMA. Um, Davison Figueredo agrees to Joseph Benavidez rematch this July in Las Vegas. Is anybody offering this? He accepted. <laughs> he just kind of decided. Okay. He wants to run it back. No. Nope. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's do stuff we like. Um, I will go, um, first, I'm going to recommend again the New Day podcast because they, uh, had me dying today with a discussion, uh, about the, they were being interviewing the Usos, a tag team of twin brothers, and they explained early on in the podcast how one of them was almost born the next day because of how late in the night it was. And then one of the people in New Day said, would you be still be twins if you were born the next day? And Big E was angry that there was even a suggestion and just yelled at everybody else on the podcast saying, this is why wrestlers, why people think wrestlers are stupid. Conversations like this. So that I'm was not Kofi. doing it any justice. Huh? So that was Kofi. Uh, it was, I think it was all of them. They were just asking questions. 
Dumb question. Well, it couldn't anyway. have been the guy with the PhD, and if Big E's ratting, oh, well, let's go. <laughs> it was all of them. The Usos didn't know the answer. Oh, the Woods Uso? didn't know the answer. Okay, well, yeah. that's just really stupid. Yeah, well, Big E was just like, this is why people think we're all dumb. Conversations like this. Again, I'm not doing it justice. It's like the first time I told you guys about this podcast. Go to Big E's Twitter account. There's a clip of this. Um, the other thing I watched that I enjoyed was, let me just go into the wrestling theme because that's that's my role now in the stuff we like. Um, was AEW Revolution um, happening this past weekend in Chicago during the convention? I think it's a comic book convention. Is CTE2 a comic book convention, Marcus? Do you know? Uh, it might be like board games and stuff. Okay. Well, they tried it. They attached it to C2E2. Crowd was fucking packed. Um, this is Chicago, which is maybe the best wrestling audience in the country. Um, it really has been that way for quite some time. And AEW's always been a pretty strong home base there. Um, really, uh, quite an enjoyable pay per view. Um, running down it real quickly. Um, really, Jake Hager and Dustin Rhodes. I was talking to Steph about this earlier today, where I don't think they should let just uh, Jake Hager wrestle. Because I'm not even going to say he's bad. He's boring. But all of the aura he had as just a tough guy kind of went away from me. Steph, just putting that out. I was just like, you should stand in the back and be the muscle. Don't don't wrestle. Uh, my I, I did catch this match. I ended up watching kind of the earlier portion of it. Um, and then I said I lost my stream. I didn't care enough to ever come back from that moment. But um, the thing that really also kind of hurt him is they tried to make him the MMA guy. And he's green as hell at MMA, so his moves look shaky in the pro wrestling he won setting. With a dick like kick it didn't too. look great. He won with a dick kick against a fifty-year-old. Like I love Goldust, but he's like fifty-three anyway. Um, I am so hyped on Sammy Guevara and Darby Allen as the future stars of this company. That match was incredible. It says it was five minutes long. That's because there was ten minutes of shenanigans before the fight started. I ain't never seen a motherfucker do a 6.30 splash to the outside through a table. Sammy decided to die that night, apparently. Um, Darby hit the guardrail, missing a dive early on. Um, Darby Allen's got go got a lot of Jeff Hardy vibes in both the good and bad ways. And those of you who watch wrestling for the last 20 years on and off know what all these mean. So we'll see how that goes. Um, the tag team title match between Kenny Omega and Hangman Page against the Young Bucks was the best tag match I've seen in quite some time, probably since when um, the Revival took on... Um, I forgot the name of their team. What are Gargano and Ciampa called? That team. DIY, they were together. you do it yourself. Fuck me. One of the worst Fuck names me. in the history yeah. of That's tag That's why teams. I forgot it. That This was the best tag team match since then. And I watched this show weekly, the AEW show. And they've done such a good job building up this match. And all the different things going on about, like, who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. The crowd very much decided that Hangman is the good guy. Booed the shit out of the Young Bucks. And the Bucks played right into it the whole time. I lost it when Hangman did Marty Scrolls uh, kick to the knee and fucking chicken wing. That was incredible. Made me so happy. Um, the whole match was great. 30-minute match, great. Um... And uh, it was really hard for the women's title match to follow that. They basically had no chance. And I don't even think it was a bad match between Nyla Rose and Chris Statlander. I just felt like the crowd was on such a high. It just became like, you know, like just emotionally draining stuff. You know what I mean? Like when it was like a big, like trying to follow a big wrestling match with another just like average one almost. It's kind of like. They could have done nothing. They, there was no way they were going to get the crowd. It's a, it no a come down match, right? Yeah. Um, you see that 
it's pacing in these cards is a big deal. This was one of their longer cards, I think, too. Um, yeah. Some there are other shows that are usually kind of like a tighter five match, like NXT type card. But yeah. um, this one felt long. I think that's another reason I didn't come back. But you see that with the WrestleMania with WWE is like when you book all these big storylines in the same night, like some of them are going to fall flatter just because a crowd can't scream for like four yeah. hours straight. Uh, yeah, I think they did a good job in this one in terms of like peaks and valleys because the Nyla Rose to Chris Thunder match really wasn't one that they piped up. It was announced last week. The crowd was ready for MJF and Cody. And Cody Rhodes distracted us all. With the worst tattoo we've seen on a man in quite some time. And again, Steph, you said it to me. Not a bad tattoo necessarily. Just where it is. Uh, it's just the placement. Um, it's yeah. kind of a tra it's trashy placement. What can I say? The men's neck tattoo, particularly the side neck over the throat, that's kind of the guy equivalent of what is colloquially known as the tramp stamp. It's kind of a like... Are you sure you wanted to it's do also, that? Is that really where you wanted to put it? It's also weird when you don't have a lot of other tattoos, right? Like, if he was all sleeved out, I'd be like, okay, we're going up. Yeah, I mean, his, like, only, <laughs> his other tattoo is it says Dream on his pec left pectoral, I believe, in honor yeah. of his dad. You know? Like, so that to be your second tattoo is right, and it's not a small. It is just the entire right side of his neck to the point that it then combs over his throat. Like, it's a I, massive I like this, uh... His wife, Brandy Rhodes, saying, yeah, I didn't agree to that. I did not like that tattoo at all. I'm like, I like Brandy being like, I don't want anybody blaming this on me or I gave the pass on this. I thought it was terrible. Um, MJF and Cody had a fine enough match. You really could tell this is going to be going on more. It wasn't the end of the story. It gave us, you know, MJF cheated to win. We're going to get more out of this one. Um, I smiled the whole time when it's, uh, when it's Pac versus Orange Cassidy. In what was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen in my life. Orange Cassidy broke character because he it eventually became too funny. Started laughing. Um, it was great. And then uh John Moxley, Chris Jericho, solid, solid match. And um I didn't agree with this when it first happened, but I know Steph, you really did. When you thought Chris Jericho was definitely the right choice to be their first champion. And I know you haven't been watching the show weekly, but he has carried this show and this promotion, and made all these guys better, and made this whole, like, stable over, and put made Jungle Boy a bigger star, made Scorpio Sky a bigger star. He was the absolute right person to be the first champion, because quite frankly, Chris, Chris Jericho could get anything over. Man's been doing it since, apparently, 1990. So, and it was a great match. And, yeah, I thought it was a really good pay-per-view. Um, there was, again, parts I cared more about more than others, and it's going to be my takeaway is really more than anything else going to be that tag team title match because I thought it was incredible. And I'm excited to see where they go with it next. Um, but yeah, that was it for this week. You should watch AEW Revolution. Go to watchwrestling.in. It's there. Shit, it's probably on YouTube. I saw it on Daily Motion. I don't understand how Daily Motion works. Because I thought it was the stream died, Bob. <laughs> what? The, the, the tag the, title the match? In, it, it died during the um, Cody MJF match. I had to keep jumping around a little bit on that one. Yeah, that was... Look, I like AEW a lot, and, like, I can't myself pay $50 for pay-per-view. If I had one other person, like if my, my roommate Drew, he's in. If he was home and said, let's split this, I'd be like, all right, I got 25 bucks for them. $50 is too much for wrestling. I just can't do it. Anyway, I talked a lot. I just really enjoyed that show. So check it out. Especially, really the tag, tag, tag team title match. And just the gif of Sammy Guevara falling through the fucking table. Woo. 
Um, Mark, what do you, I mean, let's go with Steph this week at, uh, first, then we'll go to Mark. Um, I'll keep it short. Um, I saw a new movie over the weekend, um, and in a very dead weekend for movies, I couldn't believe my eyes. It is the number one movie with its opening weekend, but that's because it's dealing with like week two of Sonic, week three of Call of the Wild and Birds of Prey. But I am talking about a limited theater release, My Hero Academia, uh, Heroes Rising movie. Um, it's the second My Hero movie they've released in the United States. I think it's really cool that um, you know anime has a big enough audience that they're doing this because you know back in the day growing up, uh, when a new Dragon Ball Z movie came out or something, you'd kind of have to wait till it was on DVD or Blu-ray or VHS some like months to years later, and then they would dub it. But now you know people are down with subtitles. So they can really just bring it over right away. Um, took my little niece to it. Uh, she's a big fan as well. Um, really, really loved it. I enjoyed the first movie. Second movie, really just awesome art sequences. Um, when you watch these shonen shows, they, they're, they're fun. You can tell they sometimes have to cut corners on production just because they're churning out all these episodes. But in the movies where they can actually kind of up the uh, art studio a little bit, you can kind of get more dramatic sequences. Um, really, really cool movie. If you're a fan, you'll absolutely love it. Um, I know Mike saw it too. Um, it's a shame he couldn't make the podcast. I uh, would have loved to chat him about it. I know um, we were both messaging each other when we got tickets. Uh, so yeah, I recommend checking it out if you're a fan of that series. Um, What's the name of the flick? Uh, My Hero Academia Heroes Rising. Heroes Rising, gotcha. Um, and yeah, on top of that, um, be going to Hawaii later this week. Um, we're celebrating my mom's birthday. Uh, it's a big milestone for her, so kind of didn't want to do something nice with kind of me and my three siblings. It gets hard to get all four of us together. We're not all in the same place. Um, got kids involved now, in-laws involved. It's kind of really tough to get our schedules to line up. But um, we all wanted to do something really nice for our mom this year, so we kind of split uh, flight and hotel costs for her. Um, going out to the island, nieces and nephews going to be there, um, my sister-in-law. So it's going to you know, be the whole big family, and it's just really cool. We don't get to do this that often here in California, so to get to do it in a beautiful place like Hawaii, eating delicious food, you know, I'm totally planning. Uh, I, I, I kind of dieted and went to clean eating the last month, Bob, with the full intention it's because I'm going to pig the fuck out in Hawaii. Um, every 7-Eleven you go to, every convenience mart, their spam musubi is legit. You just walk into a 7-Eleven, get that quick snack until you get your katsu, your kalbis, all that sushi, garlic shrimp truck, um, Hawaii is just going to be a fun time. If you go to a bar and BJ Penn shows up, it's time to leave the bar. It's time to leave the bar. Or it is time to start swinging because you might be the man to knock out BJ Penn. Do you guys know that comedic? It's like a gif and a video clip. I think it was from some English show, but uh, it was like a guy at like a children's birthday party. And he just starts slapping everybody. Uh, yeah, it's like the kids, the parents, like, like Tony, why are you doing a slap? You know, I feel like that's what BJ Penn must be like in public. It's, hey, BJ, here's a slap. And that's just, that's just <laughs> how I picture life in uh, Hilo, Hawaii. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the trip. Right on. Marcus, what do we got this week? Yeah, I got uh, quite a few things because something's just popped up today. Um, wasn't really going to talk too much about video games this week because it is dry. Uh, there's really not much going on this week until this morning. They dropped the Final Fantasy VII remake demo on the PlayStation Network and had a big preview up. So um, all the big major outlets, your IGNs, Kotaku's, my boys, Easy Allies, um, did big preview blowouts of three hours they got to play the game, which I haven't even read through all that stuff yet. 
Um, but then this morning, they also just kind of shadow dropped the demo that is basically this is a demo they've been showing since E3 last year. It's the what they call the bombing run, the opening mission of Final Fantasy VII, where you basically go to the Mako Reactor One, set the bomb, fight the Scorpion boss, and I think you also escape in the demo. I'm not sure, um, but it's just for me. I'm just really excited to try because I still haven't got to play it, uh, and I'm just excited. I've the demo kind of leaked a couple months ago that it, they were going to have a demo. It was going to come out. Um, and there's even footage of the full demo being played on YouTube. And I watched some of those videos. And the whole time I watched them, it's like, oh, stop. Just like, I want to see. No, it's just like they just kind of run through it. So I'm very much looking forward to taking a knee and just really soaking it in. Because this is easily one of my most anticipated games of the year. So it's really cool that they're even doing a demo, which is super old school square they i mean honestly they haven't really stopped doing this they did it for final fantasy 15 and i mean honestly if they probably had a title to release around this time they would have packaged this demo in a, with a title because that's what they did with final fantasy 15 i remember i bought final fantasy type zero a psp remake just to play the demo of 15 never played that game i bought but i played the demo um but yeah so that's really cool they shadow dropped that today um what i was going to talk about i mean still am um i did watch alita battle angel over the weekend a couple weeks ago i just had a hankling to like kind of pick up these like older not super new like sci-fi fantasy videos and just have you know with low expectations just like watch them just for giggles and uh, alita was one that just kept popping up in places and i was like you know this looks like a fun stupid sci-fi movie um and it is that uh because while it kind of nails it out of the park visually I think how the movie looks, the art direction it has, the kind of aesthetic it's going for, it nails that stuff. I think it does it really well. I think the fight scenes are very fun and entertaining. Yeah, um, I mean, the aesthetic you're saying, Mark, you're kind of dancing around. It's live action anime. Yeah, it's, and, and yeah. honestly, funny that I just watched it last night. Uh, it has a lot of Final Fantasy rep. I mean, the the city they live in is basically Midgar, where like there's a fancy plate city up top and down here in the slums we gotta really rough it up which is like basically the you know what what the final fantasy remake is going to be all about because it's only in midgar um but yeah i mean watching it i was like this looks cool i like the effects i mean i know a lot of people had were weirded out with um how alita the character looked because she's basically all cg and i think her eyes might have been even bigger in the earlier trailers and people like oh they did a little sonic retake um and i think she looked fine and honestly i mean we're this film falls apart is really the writing um the dialogue the um, narrative because everything is kind of like you see it coming 10 steps ahead and in some of the dialogue is just like that was just dumb and it's Stefan, i mean you saw this movie right because i think you talked about it on the yeah, podcast i saw it um i was unemployed at the time this is when i was seeing every movie because yeah, you're i discovered seeing, uh, the uh, daytime matinee the daytime, and th- yeah. th- that's what this movie was per- absolutely perfect there, there, i think there was a scene that happened here and i was like i'm pretty sure stefan talked about it was it with the spider lady and when she climbs up like they're having this fight there's all these android cyber people are having these big cg fights and this one lady is like all robot lady and she kind of climbs on the wall like a spider and i don't know if it was you or somebody else but she like kisses and it's like why wait why would you <laughs> yes yes you're that's a, a... You're a person in a robot no why would i need to intimidate with a <laughs> there were there were choices made in this movie that were um like this is why it's a cult classic and not a good movie is because there's some schlocky things that you have to get over um the, the the main actress alita she had some corny bits like when she literally gives the dude his her heart and everything like yeah. there's a lot of weird stuff and i'm like is there a lot of cringe-tastic moments but again there's really fun stuff when um 
our man, uh, what's the German guy's name? He, he's such a great actor. But he, you can tell he's just having oh, fun. Christoph Waltz. Christoph Waltz. When he starts assembling his giant hammer, and I'm like, what the fuck? And he's like, just like, all right, time to go to work. And I'm like, I didn't know it was an anime thing. And it was, it was like that scene which put it. But it's fun, like you said. You can definitely enjoy it. You, just, you don't have to have a high expectation. I, I like that a movie can make $400 million and I cannot like, even realize it came out at this point. Like, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I'm a, you start talking about this. I'm like, How, what small picture was this? $400 million. Yeah, okay. killed in Asia, Bob. So that yeah. definitely inflates it. It was um, based off yeah. of manga. So it had like. There are always some people that knew about it. It wasn't like a brand new franchise. But now you mentioned this stuff, it's so dumb because Christoph Waltz's character is like a doctor, like a robot doctor. The reviews aren't bad. Well, I mean, critically, it didn't do great. Because I looked at like after that, I was like, I need to learn more about this. Like it, it critically, like on Rotten Tomatoes, it's a 61, but the audience is like a 93, which I think just speaks to like, it's a fun film when you have low expectation or just looking for shits and giggles. But it's so dumb that you mentioned it stuff. Because now I'm thinking like Christoph Waltz, basically his whole shtick is that he's like a mechanic doctor. And there's all these cyborgs. So he's used to like putting like prosthetic limbs on people. He also, spoiler, halfway through the film is there's like this hunter warrior class. That's right. That's a thing they call people hunter warriors. That's the level of stupidity we're dealing with. So he like he fights cyborgs, extremely dangerous. Like Stefan mentions, he has this badass giant hammer with a rocket on it, which he always looks like he's too frail to wield. And he's a robot doctor. Why does he have robot arms to throw this hammer around? Because he's fighting other robots. Ugh. There's, there's like when you start peeling away the logic, it's like you find so many like, well, this is just dumb. And the ending is just they obviously were thinking like this is they they want this to be a giant franchise. And and when you see that who's attached to it, um, James Cameron wrote the script, which is weird. Like you think he's just like a, a producer director, and it was directed by um, Rodriguez, Robert Rodriguez, who like I, I didn't know that when I like I was like oh Robert Rodriguez, like I kind of like him as like a poor man's Tarantino, kind of or not. I mean, not even really because like they just like matched up a couple times. Not like they really have different styles, but I mean, I watched it. I, I thought it was kind of fun, but it it is very dumb and silly. So if you're looking for like. A high fidelity, like the, I, I really do think the CGI was like pretty impressive in this movie. I think the artistic style they go for is really interesting. It's kind of post-apocalyptic, um, you know, cyborg, cyborg, sci-fi future stuff. Um, and then you don't mind like if this is a movie that's like, okay, I'm going in to laugh at this movie. You know, like it's it, it's not going to make me laugh. I'm going to laugh at it, but I'm still going to enjoy what it tries to do. I mean, it it brings you in halfway there so you're semi-invested, but just like the action scenes and stuff are just fun. So I think it's a dumb stupid fun movie, but um yeah, that's what I got this week. All right, we're going to be back next week where I think this Kevin Lee fight card is the following week. Let's just, you know, while yeah. I make sure. Oh, I didn't check. It is the following it is the following week. Kevin, this one's actually uh, I'm uh, Kevin Lee versus Charles Oliveira, Damian Maya, Gilbert Burns, Randa Marcos on there, Johnny Walker versus Nikita Krylov. Okay, some of these fights should have been on this pay per view. Um, we're gonna talk about that. Um, just real quickly, those of you who live in a Super Tuesday state should probably vote in the primary if you're interested. If you aren't. Maybe don't, but uh, you should vote if you're a Democrat because you don't, you know, this is, you get to decide who you want to be your nominee. Oh, man, if you're a Mark, I told uh, Bobby this, and this can be a thing I quickly like. For for $6 in 2016, I bought a Bernie Sanders Funko Pop. That <laughs> motherfucker is worth $200 now. 
was like, oh no, shit. You're not gonna sell it. Now it just now you pry you like you hold it in even higher regard. Like not only do I like this dumb thing, but now it's worth a lot of money. He's gonna save our no. government, save our health sell care, that and shit. save my bank account. When he loses, you're gonna want the two hundred dollars. So sell it now. Well, it's that's smart, but too much sentimental, Bobby. He's a believer. Okay, <laughs> fine. <laughs> when it be when it starts going down in price, that's the day you sell it. Okay, that's the agreement you should have with yourself. Yeah, you should vote. Uh, you should probably vote if you're in California. We're all sitting here going, we're the most important state. We should vote first because we are the most important state. We should vote first. We got the most people. That's why we should vote first. Fuck Iowa. We should also account for the vast majority of this country's economy. <laughs> Just want to say Secession, that. Secession, 2020. Calif California and New York should decide who the president is. We represent 20% of the population and way more than that of the economy. So you guys like the fucking internet? Yeah, that's ours. Just saying. All right? <laughs> that's us. Um, and then uh, finally, I didn't get a chance to laugh at this. But Goldberg becoming the world champion in WWE by squashing the Fiend. The fact that everybody predicted it was going to happen, Stefan, really tells you everything you need to know at this point. <laughs> I mean, well, you, you asked me because you said Drew had that conclusion. And you're like, what is you came at me with like a kind of like, what is Drew been smoking lately? And I'm like, no, no, oh, no, no. I agreed with him. He was adamant. I was just like, I think he's probably going to win. But Drew's like, no, nah, man, it's write it down. When you say that, Fiend I'm like, yeah, losing. that's exactly what's going to happen. I haven't watched anything, but Goldberg's here. Goldberg's here to win. Remember the guy who got the Brock Lesnar shine after he ended the Undertaker streak? We give that to the old 58-year-old man who shows up once every three years. He's the guy who gets it's that shine. It's really – all I liked is that when uh, Macaulay Culkin said he canceled his WrestleMania tickets uh, – Goldberg responded to it on Twitter and just called him a dork. And I'm like, I'm just imagining a home alone where like Goldberg is trying to get into his house. <laughs> There's all these obstacles that, that uh, Macaulay Culkin has set up. Yeah, man, it was just, we we're going to end the show right now, but just the, the juxtaposition of, of seeing that and watching a wrestling show that had Sammy Guevara and Darby Allen, who are both like 24. A lot of types of wrestling out there, folks. Anyway, we'll be back next week. Uh, go vote tomorrow. Um, and we'll see where we are next week. See if the circular firing squad marches on. Um, I was Dr. Law, though. Kid Presentable was here. DJ Mark was here. Shout out to our boy Lavender Gooms. Hopefully back next week. Um, see y'all next week. Peace out. See ya. Cheers. Cheers.